Support for the Couples Council comes from Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Their purpose is to equip you with the right skills for a happy and healthy relationship. Services available in office or virtual. Schedule your consultations now. For more information, visit mercierwellness.com. Mercier Wellness and Consulting. Small steps, big changes. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy. Please consult a licensed professional for your mental health needs. Now Now on on with with the the show. show. Hello and welcome to the Couples Council. I'm Dr. Jameson Mercier, sitting alongside my wife, Herdine Mercier. Hey! <laughs> I was mesmerized by your voice. Thank you. Probably these new microphones. Oh, you anyway, switched off the mic? I did. So, anyways guys, welcome to another episode of the Couples Council. On today's episode... We are introducing you to someone who is a vital part of our team. Yes. Her name is Marissa Grayson. Yes. Okay. She is America's blended family expert. Not only is she America's blended family expert, she also is our uh, trademark attorney. Yes. So. uh, We adore her. I love her. She's amazing. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so we're having her on and she's going to talk about her work as an attorney, specifically in the area of couples who are dealing with custody issues. We had a lovely conversation with her. Um, It's very informative. This is one you definitely want to keep. This is one you definitely want to uh, star. You want to favorite this. Um, You may even want to take some notes. Uh, She shared some things with us that I had not thought of. We know people who can benefit from the information she gave. And, you know, the unfortunate thing is sometimes couples do separate and sometimes there are children involved and that complicates things. Mm -hmm. And so we brought her on to talk. You know, this is one of the less pleasurable conversations. However, it's often. Yeah, it's a vital part. Mm Right. So we have fun here. We joke. We laugh. We talk about love. But sometimes we got to handle some serious business. Did I say I love her? Yes, you did. I do. So uh, this is Marissa V. Grayson. And uh, hold on, babe. Before we get into Marissa's episode, you do want to listen to the very end because the wife mentor has a special announcement. Okay, And so, ladies and gentlemen, Marissa Grayson. Marissa Grayson is a dynamic and driven lawyer, attorney, speaker, and problem solver. Her work is centered around family, personal, and business development. She is the founder and principal attorney at her firm, the law office of Marissa V. Grayson. Passionate about educating and inspiring people, she is frequently invited to speak at conferences, workshops, schools, churches, legal clinics, nonprofits, and many other organizations on topics related to family, business, and self-development. She also facilitates educational and legal seminars and workshops to raise awareness throughout the community and to encourage individuals to be proactive in their personal and legal affairs. Without further ado, our attorney, Marissa V. Grayson. Well, hello, guys. Uh, We are on with America's blended family expert. Now, we try to bring you guys, you know, people who we value and people we appreciate. Uh, 
not just people we find sitting on the corner with nothing <laughs> going on. What I would also tell you guys is that Marissa Grayson isn't just a lawyer, but she is our lawyer. And no, we don't share. <laughs> yes, we do. Yeah. We do share greatness with the world. We share a little bit. <laughs> Marissa, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? Even better now that we have you on. Uh, we understand you're busy, busy. And so we appreciate you being on with us and all the work you've done for us. You know, we're just going to brag about you throughout this episode. Um, get used to it. <laughs> Thank um, you. I appreciate you guys having me on. It is our pleasure. So we're going to talk about some things with you that are relevant to uh, listeners of the Couples Council. Because I know you're thinking, this is the Couples Council. Why would we have an attorney on, on the Couples Council? Yeah. Some, well, some people listening might be wondering, but the fact is uh-huh. approximately half of all couples will um, uncouple. Mm-hmm. That is true. Right. I was going to say decouple. But I think <laughs> uncouple. And so it is quite possible that sometimes they will need to consult an expert. Um, and so this is why we have you on. But before we get into that, just just introduce yourself to our listeners. We know you're America's blended family expert. Mm-hmm. Um, we know you're an attorney, a practicing attorney. Tell us about you, your practice, um, before we get into some of the questions that we have uh, waiting for you. Awesome. So I am Marissa V. Grayson. I am a child custody and family law attorney. I practice in California, and then I'm also a mediator and co-parent coach and a child custody consultant, and I consult families and attorneys across the country when they are going through a child custody case. Um, so I essentially, everything that I do is centered in blended families and co-parenting. And in addition to that, I'm the co-founder of a firm called The Elite Firm, where we service celebrities and high-profile individuals. And that is a full-service law firm and crisis management agency. And in addition to that, I am also a business and entertainment attorney, and I help people solidify their intellectual property their copyright and all of that good stuff so to clarify (laughs) this wonderful couple here they are not one of my divorce or child custody clients no (laughs) gotta clarify that because they're gonna be like (laughs) no she protects all of our brand yes yes so wifeident is protected manfident is protected dadfident is protected couples counsel yes yeah y'all can listen y'all can look but don't touch Uh -uh, don't do it she's gonna come come after you (laughs) so so that's a lot of hats for uh i mean maybe it's not i don't know but that just seems like a lot to me you know, I get tired yeah. of hearing all of that. <laughs> it is, but you know, most of my work, I only do business law um, primarily through referrals only. So I keep my caseload when it comes to that aspect of my business pretty low. I only have usually no more than about 20, 25 clients in that arena. Otherwise, the majority of my days is all day long child custody, divorce, family law anything related to blended families. So once you get used to doing it, you know, it's the same thing over and over. You just got to change your strategies and your approach and you're dealing with different people. So it's really not, 
it doesn't feel like work for me so much just because it's what I love to do. And I just love to be, you know, the person that people come to, to help fix them when they're fix their situation, when it's essentially like the worst time that they're going through in their lives. So, okay, you know, I love it. Good, good. Now, did you always see yourself going into and doing uh, family law and child custody disputes? Absolutely not. <laughs> nope. I wanted nothing to do with family law when I first started. I actually went, to, decided to become a lawyer at 14. And then I decided to, that I wanted to do criminal law. So I had a cousin who was convicted of first degree murder when he was a juvenile. And I sat through that trial. We were 14 years old. I sat through that trial and I remember watching it and seeing all these things happening, all these things going wrong during his case. And that was the day that I decided that I was going to be a lawyer. So I initially was going to be a criminal defense attorney. And I did it for a little while. And um, I still will do it for people that I know or cases that I truly believe in. But yeah, no, mm -mm. it's a lot. It's heavy. So Okay. People say family law is heavy, but criminal law is heavy as well, especially when somebody's life is on the line, you know. So. Wow, wow. And so what caused the pivot to, to family law? Uh, besides the Lord, <laughs> I will <laughs> tell you. Don't, don't he always interfere I'm with I have tried to run away from family law so many times. I was looking for a job when I was in law school because I was going to law school part-time. So I was looking for a job. I wanted to get my feet wet in law. So I've tried so hard to find a job in criminal law or just any other kind of law. And the only attorney that was willing to hire me was a family law attorney. Mm. So that's where it started. I was working in a family law firm my last two years of law school. So as I'm doing that, then um, I met my husband, we were dating. And then he ended up going through a child custody battle. So that was like the second phase that brought me into family law because I was experienced at that point and had been working in family law. So I helped him through that case. So then after I passed the bar, I still was saying, no, I'm not going to do any family law. And miraculously, the first seven cases I got were all family law cases. (laughs) And at that point, I was just taking any case that I could get because, you know, I was a new attorney. I needed money and all of that, Mm -hmm. paying for these law school loans, all that good stuff. So, you know, once I just kept going like over and over and over, everything was just pointing family law, family law, family law. So I was just like, okay, Lord, I'm done. I'm done fighting it. This is what I'm going to do. And um, this is where I am. So what was that journey like for you in stepping out on your own to create your own firm? Because I know you worked under someone or in someone's office for two years, was it? Right. But at that time, I was just a legal assistant because I was still in law school. So I always knew that I wanted to have my own firm. So when I got that job, I literally just soaked up all the information I could, learned as much as I could, took a lot of notes. Thankfully, the attorney that I worked for was a prominent Beverly Hills attorney. He was very experienced. He had been practicing like 25 years and he would let me go to court with him. So I just would watch everything that he did. I took a lot of notes and just became familiar with how to run a practice. And thankfully, I was one of the um, his his longest term employees because his turnover rate was really high. So I just stayed there and he would let me be the office manager. And then I was the paralegal. Then I was the file clerk. And then at one point I was helping him with his bookkeeping and billing. So I got to see a lot of 
how the business of law is run. Mm -hmm. And so I was, I was pretty confident as soon as I finished and graduated and passed the bar with running my own practice because I had been helping him, you know, for those years. So thankfully it was a smooth transition for me. Nice. Now you said a moment ago, you had to assist your husband in his case. Um, when he was going through, I guess I'm assuming either ex-wife or issues with his kids, because you're a blended family. Right. Um, all right. Um, tell us about the family and then tell us what that was like um, having to, I say defend, I don't know if it's defend, but you said help um, your own husband with that issue. And I'm just right. sort of trying to think, because we don't treat our own family and our friends. I don't know <laughs> if it's different for lawyers, but right. I'm trying to, to imagine what that could have been like for you. Oh, it was a hot mess. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um, I met my husband. He, has, he had a son. Um, my stepson was two at the time. And he, um, they were sh his mom and my husband were sharing custody. So at that time, I believe they were alternating weeks with my stepson. And, um, when we first got together, things were okay. And then after a while, this custody battle just started out of the blue. We did not anticipate it. At that point, we thought we had a good relationship with my stepson's mom and it, we were just kind of blindsided. Mm -hmm. So as he was going through this journey, I realized, you know, we had to hire lawyers because I wasn't a lawyer yet. So we had to hire lawyers and at that time, you know, we were broke <laughs> because I was still in law school. Mm -hmm. So we had to try to cut back on some of the legal fees. So I was helping with the paperwork and then the lawyers would just go and appear in court because I had already had experience preparing documents. So we, we went through the whole battle. Ultimately, our, my, our son lives with us. He's been living with us since he was five. So this started about when he was probably about four. The, the battle was probably about a year, year and a half. And then he's wow. been living with us since he was about five. So um, he came, um, you know, and then so we went through this battle. And then after that, we kind of shifted on our focus to figuring out how we were going to peacefully co-parent, even after the drama. And well, I mean, it was a lot of drama, y'all. So, wow. um, mm -hmm. so that's what, what I did for the next couple of years, try to figure out, okay, how are we going to get past this mess so that our son can thrive and um, we figured it out and we had this peaceful blended family and we did parent teacher conferences and football games and basketball games and you would never know that we went through you know police being called <laughs> all kinds of restraining orders and all of that stuff if you look at our family you know at that look, point so. looking at it now so marissa please share with um our audience that are listening that may be in a co-parenting situation on some tips of how do you do it in a healthy way without the emotions well my number one key is um to treat your co-parenting relationship like a business relationship so i have this philosophy it's called the business of co-parenting and that's the name of my book series and the idea is that if you were to be presented with a business opportunity that we're ultimately going to get you two two billion dollars right i like to use this as, as an example because money is an incentive for everyone so everyone can relate mm -hmm. so if someone says i'm gonna give you two billion dollars all you have to do is complete a task i'm gonna assign you a team you may not like everyone on your team, 
You may not like the leader on your team, but all you have to do is work together and achieve this particular goal. And at the end, you're going to get $2 billion. If someone were to present you with that opportunity, you're going to look at the opportunity and you don't care who's on that team. You're going to figure out how to make it work so that you can get that money at the end. And people oftentimes, you know, even in our day to day employment, people work jobs that they hate just to be able to make ends meet, regardless of whether they like their job, like their employer, like the people they work with. They deal with it just so that they can be able to provide for their families. So I have to, you know, try to help people get that perspective that if you're willing to do that so that you can just survive, why would you not put just as much effort and energy? and adopt that mindset when it comes to co-parenting your child because essentially your child is at two billion dollars your child is the one that needs you and the other parent to work together so if you can step outside of your emotions and step outside of the oh i hate him so much or she gets on my nerves or she always does this and all of that and you can treat your co-parenting relationship like a business relationship, then your mindset is different and the way that you handle situations are different. So you're not responding with, you know, cursing somebody out just because they called to curse you out. You think strategically like, okay, how am I going to achieve whatever goal that it is that I have, even though this person is acting a fool. And Mm -hmm. at, at some point when you are the bigger person and you decide to adopt that mindset, it, it causes a shift with everyone involved because people can only act crazy, quote unquote, because that's what everybody calls, you know, their other, their co-parent crazy mm-hmm. or irrational or unreasonable. People only do that for so long. And if you're constantly feeding them with positivity, no matter how much, you know, they try to drag you into the drama, mm-hmm. at some point they will pivot. It might take a while. It might right. take five years, but at least you can live in peace. <laughs> I know it's a long time, right? But some people they literally fight for eighteen years. Their child, their child turns twenty, and they still arguing at the at the college graduation. Well, then I gotta you be know. honest, Marissa. That's not about the child. That's about the person. Well, nine times out of ten, that's what it is, though. Is it? You know, really? most yeah, yeah. Most of the time, when parent co parents can't get along, it's a personal issue that's not related to the child, and that's the point is that if you put your child in the center, then all those emotions don't matter. If you're Mm -hmm. focused on what is best for your child, how I'm going to make sure that my child can thrive, despite the fact that we hate each other or we don't talk or whatever, then you're putting your child first. And that's what most people don't do. And that's the reason why we have so much drama going on when parents split. You know, they're stuck on the emotion of, oh, he cheated on me or he gambled all the money away or you know, whatever the case may be. So, I mean, absent extreme circumstances like mm-hmm. domestic violence and right. you're dealing That's with true. a narcissist or something mm-hmm. like that, um, you know, the child typically should have a relationship with both parents. So if that's the case, if there is no extreme circumstance, then sometimes you got to bite the bullet and you got to take one for the team and, you know, do it for your child. So, Wow. As you're talking, I'm thinking about some of the couples I'll see in session and sometimes the conflict that arises out of some of these couple sessions um, I'm talking about like furniture moving kind of conflict and just and it sounds like in many cases or in some cases at least it's a similar thing trying to move them from beyond the emotion to just kind of just look gain some perspective I hear you saying 
Right. Huh. Absolutely. Okay. Now, we know that uh, when we were talking briefly, you talked about the majority of your clients are dads. Right. That is unique. That is inspiring in some cases because the narrative out there is that a lot of dads are not trying to be that parent. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and if for, for people who are listening, if they know anything about me, I talk dads all day long and um, all about supporting dads. And you know this too, Marissa. But tell us about that. What are some of these misconceptions about dads and custody and the legal process? Now, before you answer that, Marissa, I will be the one to say on air that God forbid anything happens between Jameson and I, he is going to give me a run for my money for those kids. I already know it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. As he should. <laughs> Listen, man. I'm not just one of those people who just, just say whatever, take them. I'm going to go live in, mm-hmm. in, 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 you know, New York or Miami and live it up. Those are my babies. No. Right. So some of the misconceptions are, first and foremost, a lot of dads don't realize that they have rights mm-hmm. and that they, that they can get custody or that they can have substantial visitation with their children. So that's one reason why you don't see it um, as much with, with dads fighting for their kids, because most of, my, most of the time, my clients that are fathers come to me and they are on a, a mindset of, I just want to be able to see them sometimes. And then when I get to the root of exactly what they really want, a lot of them really do want their kids to be with them 50% of the time or even want to be able to have full custody, but they just had no idea that it was even possible. So one of the realities that I have to essentially help my clients understand is that, you know, it's 2018 now. Things are not the same as they used to be back in the fifties and sixties, you know, when you have a child in most States, you have some kind of rights to to custody It's usually fair game. Mm -hmm. Now there are still some, some States that will require you to take a few additional steps to prove that you need to have custody. Right. But in like California, 50, 50 is being granted all the time. Now there's, there, it is a little bit more of a battle for dads. Like I can't sit here and act like it's an easy road. Like I have to work 10 times as hard for my father's clients to be able to show that this is where, you know, the child needs to be. But, you know, the, the step, the key step is taking the initiative and doing something about it and realizing and being empowered and understanding that you do have the rights. And if it's best for your child to be with you, then fight for those rights, take the initiative and at least try because a lot of times people just don't want to deal with the system and they just won't even bother to try because they don't want to deal with the system. And a lot of that comes from the specifically in the African-American community, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't want the man quote unquote in our business. We don't want them telling us what to do. And we just don't want to see a courtroom period because of all of the bad things that have happened, you know, historically our culture. So, and so I think in the, Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was just going to say that, um, you know, that's just one of the, again, one of the hurdles that I have to help my clients realize is that the worst case scenario, if you go and try to fight for custody of your kids is that you're not going to get custody. Right. 
But if you don't do anything, you're still not going to have custody. So it's not going to hurt you to try like it will hurt you if you don't bother to try and like it will hurt your children if you don't try or if you know you think that oh the judge isn't going to give me what i want well he's not going to get he or she is not going to give you anything if you don't go and ask for it no nobody's going to come knocking on your door and say hey you want to see your kids this year like it doesn't work like that Mm -hmm. so that's one thing that you know it's it's a constant battle for me and that's one reason why i'm so forward in my educating fathers online and on social media and on youtube because i want fathers to understand that if you are committed to trying to get custody or visitation of your children it's my belief that you can actually do so again absent those extreme circumstances and even if there were those extreme circumstances there are different things that you can put in place so that you can work through that and get to a place where you can have custody or visitation of your kids it's just going to be more work so you just got to commit and be willing to do the work and be willing to you know go headstrong into that battle if you if it turns out to be a battle okay i think for me when i think about um the whole blended family possibly um fighting for custody for the child it's such an emotional experience for both parties and including the te- um including the the children how do you go about as an attorney and mediation process do you do any of that and how does that and what does that look like yes i absolutely do mediation so i do mediation um which is essentially similar to coaching so I do mediation and then I have coaching. So with my mediation clients, those are for the clients who are either already in the middle of a custody battle, see themselves going into a custody battle or are trying to avoid one. So in those situations, I am literally sitting down with the parties, finding out what is it that mom wants? What is it that dad wants? And trying to, you know, if the child is old enough, finding out what the child wants and trying to find a happy medium that will work for that family. because realistically if you go into a courtroom a court the judge doesn't know you they don't know your kids they don't know the other party and they're just going to give you whatever they think is right based on that and depending on whether your evidence is presented the right way whether you have a good lawyer or one that's not so good or whether you're representing yourself so many different things could go wrong and you could end up in a situation where you know you're getting these child custody orders and they don't work for your family they might say okay dad you get tuesday and thursday and dad may have to work Tuesday and Thursday. So, you know, when you sit down with a mediator, it's someone who is a neutral party and they can literally help you work through those issues and figure out, okay, well, what days would be best for me to have the child and who should take the child to, you know, basketball practice and who should pick them up from school and who should make sure they're in tutoring and all of that stuff. And it really is on a case by case basis because every family works different and every child is different. So that's what mediation looks like. Coaching, on the other hand, is where I'm basically teaching you how to deal with each other in a peaceful way that's not going to cause you guys to have a bunch of drama so that you can, um, you know, be as peaceful as possible. And so your child will not have to be in the middle of that mess. And, and you know, you said a moment ago how some people, particularly in the you know, black community, they avoid just trying because they don't want to have to go in a courtroom and deal with lawyers. It sounds like mediation is a viable option. Right. And the, the good news about mediation is that you can sit down with a mediator. A lot of my clients come to me 
before a case is even filed or before they've ever seen a judge. So we sit down, we write up a parenting plan, we come to an agreement, and then everyone signs it. And then we submit that mediation agreement or parenting plan to the court so that the judge can sign it and it becomes an enforceable order. So you have an enforceable order in case one of you decide to wake up and act a fool one day and say, no, I'm not giving you the kids. But you never have to see the judge. Or if you do have to see them, you're literally just going in to say, this is our agreement and this is what we're going to do. And then the judge just signs it. So you have that security without having to go through the judge being the decision maker for your family. It's so true because um, I know of someone that it, um, it started off real nice, real lovely. Mm-hmm. And then the person started dating, the other spouse started dating. And then the, the custody battle really got intense. It got so intense that the drop-offs and the pickups had to be at the police station. Oh, yeah. So That's very common. I never heard of it, and I thought, wow, this must be real intense. Oh, yeah. Well, for me, for me I was just thinking, um, you're right in having that documentation that even before you went to court, at least you have that documentation. This was the agreement. Right. And the, see, the thing is, we always try to think that the other person that we're, that we're dealing with is going to be reasonable and is going to agree and is going to stick to our agreement. So one mistake that people make is, oh, we get along great. There's no need to write an agreement. We don't need to put it in, in writing. We don't need to have the judge sign off on an order. We just work well together. Yeah, right. Well, you know what? Accidents happen. People start dating. People get in arguments. If you guys couldn't make your marriage work or your relationship work, regardless of what happened, it's unrealistic to assume that everything will be perfect all the time between you and them as a co-parent. So you'd rather be safe than sorry. And I know, you know, it feels better to not have it in writing because then you feel like you worked it out. But you know what? You work it out and put it in writing too. Just like you're not going to have a business partner without a contract. Mm -hmm. Well, you shouldn't anyways. People do it all the time, but you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's the same thing. You know, again, treat your co-parenting relationship like a business relationship. And even if you get along great, perfect. That means the terms of this agreement should be so easy to come up with. We should just be able to sit down, write it all out and everyone sign it. But if someone wakes up one day and says, you know what? I don't like that man she's dating and I'm not letting my kids go over there. And then they decide to just up and take the kids somewhere. Then what? If you don't have anything in writing, if you haven't filed it with the court and it's not an enforceable order, custody is a free for all if there's no custody order. So then you're having to open a case at the last minute and rush because you, you know, someone's taking the child's other parent is taking the kids from you. You're having to open a case. You're having to file a motion to try to get to see your kids, which could take 30 to 60 to 90 days. Mm -hmm. And you're going all of this time without seeing your kids all because you weren't proactive because you, you know, you were in your feelings trying not to offend someone by writing it down or making them, Mm -hmm. you know, solidify your arrangement. So you got to, you got to be forward thinking and understand someone, the other parent could get in an accident and their brain could just shift their whole mindset and they could have a completely different perspective and then say, no, I don't want you to have the kids or whatever could happen. You know, you just never know. So this is so good and enlightening because for me, 
um, when I think about the journey of being a family, it's difficult by itself. But then now mm-hmm. you have the journey of being a blended family. But if you have some of these things in place, it brings the anxiety down on your current family. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. It does. Because there's certainty that's created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You know, every now and then I'll get a couple in my office and they come in, either they were like arguing or things are kind of rocky. Um, and they start talking and you say, wait a minute, why are we here? They say, well, you know, we've separated, but we're not divorced. Um, and something you said triggered this for me. I said, what does, what does that mean exactly? We're separated, but not divorced. They say, well, he lives here. I live there, but we're still married. Um, I said, what's the reason for that? And either, you know, people got all kinds of reason, you know, maybe we mm-hmm. were out or insurance or, you know, it's cheaper to keep her. I always hear some from time to time. <laughs> and I said, guys, y'all playing a dangerous game here. Um, and maybe you can speak more to this. But when if you're if you're together, I always say be together and then work it out. But if you're separate, separate and then work it out and then get back together. If need be. Yeah, if need be, if y'all can't work it out, but to play, to, to try and straddle the fence. Um, and I, I'd like to hear what you have to say about this. That's a dangerous game to play is what I tell my couples. Right. I, I agree. Um, sometimes, especially when you are, when it comes to the dating, because people think that they're going to separate. And a lot, one, one of the biggest mistakes I see people make is filing for divorce in order to try to scare their spouse into acting right. Mm. And a lot of times <laughs> that is how we end up in these situations where people are still married, but they file for divorce, but they don't really want the divorce. So they're going to be separated, oh, but they're not going to proceed all the way because they're hoping that it's going to help them, you know, mend their relationship. And I always have to tell people, people call me all the time. I want to separate or we're separated and I want to file for divorce because I know that once I officially file then we'll be able to work it out. And I'm like, "Mm, no, it doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. Um, And it just causes a lot of confusion, you know, for your children, for you. And especially when it comes to dating, because then you're, you're, you're separated, not, not divorced, but then you're dating. And then the person that you're dating, you're telling them that you're separated, but there's still that paperwork and that tie to them. I mean, there's so many legal layers to, you know, being separated and remaining separated without actually finalizing your divorce. So you need to figure it out. And I always tell people, y'all need to go to counseling or therapy and figure out what you're going to do <laughs> while you're putting your children in this mess because yeah, you know, all of the back and forth and the uncertainty and, you know, it's just, it's not worth it. And it's, it's more damaging than anything. And, you and- know what? I, I often, I often thinking, I often think about the times where if we're separated, but on paper, we're legally married. God forbid I get into a car accident and I'm in a coma. This person has the right to tell the doctor to pull the plug or not. Absolutely. And people always make the comment. They all, people always say, oh, marriage is just, you know, on paper. Well, yeah, it is on paper, but it's a lot. That paper's pretty there's pretty important there's a reason. you know they get to decide if they're going to pull the plug they get to decide what's going to happen you know with everything in your life essentially unless you have something else in order and if you don't then especially if y'all don't like each other <laughs> like why would you want 
them to have that much control, you know, like mm-hmm. we have to be more responsible as adults. That's what it boils down to, you know. Yeah, there are times when I will consult with a couple and I'll say, listen, y'all need to go home. Like you just said, figure it out. And I, and I won't treat them because if you don't know where you're going, then there's no foundation for us to, to, to get any work done. We're not standing on anything. Right. Absolutely. Man. Wow. Um, I could talk about that alone. Just like, <laughs> because people, it's, it's almost stupid. I'm not going to say stupid. I'm just going to think it. <laughs> because, because it is, it, it is serious. It is serious. It is, it is not a joke. Um, so, man. Got you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, <laughs> I don't know. And the thing about marriage, too, like, it's, it's one of the easiest things to get into. Mm-hmm. You know, like, people just because just it's easy to get into, people think, well, you know, we'll just figure it out. No, it's not. It's not. It's one of the most frustrating things, if I had to say, with my line of work, is just getting people to understand what marriage really is. It's not the fairy tales. I mean, Mm-mm. it's not the fairy tales. If, if you're going to make this commitment, I think too many times people spend so many times preparing for that wedding day. And we just recently interviewed a couple who says marriage is not built in a day. Marriage is built daily. And so if you take the time to put in the work and have the foundation, there will be a day we don't need you, Marissa. But because people aren't doing that, that is causing, um, because people aren't doing that, that is really causing what, in, like an uproar in their emotions and just, just yeah. heading down the wrong way fast. So yeah, just effing things up. Yeah. You know? Right. Yep. Absolutely. And a lot of people do put a lot of emphasis on the wedding day. And I always talk about how I wish that it were as difficult to get married as it is to get divorced, as Mm. costly to get married. I mean, the wedding costs, but, (laughs) you know, um, people literally could say, oh, let's get married tomorrow and then get their little marriage certificate. Go get married. And then you stay together for a year and then you got to go through this expensive and long draining process to end your marriage and it should be in my personal opinion just as hard to get married as it is to get divorced like it should be a requirement that people go to marriage counseling it should be a requirement that you know you have to do something mm-hmm. take some steps to show that this is not just a okay let's just do it for the moment mm-hmm. type of thing no i, I agree 110 percent because you know at 18 you you got to take all this study and testing and practice to get a driver's license but you can decide i want to marry my girlfriend and nobody can do nothing right mm-hmm. absolutely nothing you can go people, to vegas and people say we'll put, a, we'll put a gun in your hand and send you to war mm-hmm. right but now, now i'm getting too political here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man but you know what, if you, when you visit your website and one of the things we're going to share with our listeners and our notes is your website and your information, you have this free download called how to win the battle without going to war. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So I created an ebook just to kind of guide people on just the little things that you should be mindful of. If you and your child's other parents 
are separating or separated and you're trying to figure things out because a lot of times the little things that we fight over are not really war worthy. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the biggest mistakes that people make is they, they nitpick and they fight over these small nuances that don't even really matter. You know, they're arguing over who, which parent is going to enroll the child in football, whose name is going to be listed first. Like, really? Does it really matter? <laughs> or <laughs> wow. can we both attend the parent teacher conference or should it only be me? Or, you know, just the little, the smallest things. And I just, you know, I see families like literally go through so much drama over this little stuff. Mm-hmm. And in the end, they end up losing the most important thing, which is their child's sanity. You know, mm-hmm. children in divided families already have enough that they have to face that their counterparts don't have to. So, So, you know, I always talk about the importance of, you know, when you're splitting up or if you're not together, making sure that you're on point because your children, if if they're children of a divorce or if they're children in a family where the parents are no longer together, they are more likely to experiment with drugs and alcohol or experience um, teenage pregnancy or need therapy and mental health services like so many things you know they they are more likely to become involved in and to experience mm-hmm. all because they are living in two separate homes yeah but the reality factor. right and but the reality is that there are plenty of people who grow up in two separate homes and they do just fine the mm-hmm. difference is the dynamic of that house Come on, uh, or the, the co-parents, you know, mm-hmm. and that's where we make a mistake. We're putting our kids at risk because we're too busy over here trying to do these little battles, getting back at the other parent, not realizing how damaging it is for our kids. Mm-hmm. So in my book, that's what I'm talking about. I'm walking people through how to choose what their battles are, what is going to be war worthy and what should you just be willing to compromise on? Because there are some things that you should be able to compromise on. Are you fighting saying, oh, I need 100% custody when that's really not what you need or what you really want? A lot of people say, oh, I want sole legal custody. And then I say, well, why? I don't know. I just do. <laughs> well, um, okay. Do you really need sole legal custody or do you just want to be able to make certain small decisions, you know, on your own? Because you don't need sole legal custody to be the parent that's responsible for making decision X. You right. know, you need, uh, you need to continue to share custody and then you can request that you have the final decision-making authority on, you know, what school the child is going to, if that's always been your thing or whether they play football or what team they play for, if that's always been your role as the parent. So there are so many different things. So the book just educates people on, you know, the basics. It outlines, yes, it is free. And it just outlines the different things that you should consider and just gives you some perspective on how to avoid those unnecessary child custody battles, you know, and how to avoid, um, you know, the ultimate child custody war. Because a lot of times people fight and argue over the little small nuances that don't really matter and that it ends up causing more harm to your, your life as an individual parent, it's more stressful. Like, you know, you're fighting over these small issues when at the end of the day, your child don't even really care, nope. you know? And it, so again, it just teaches, teaches you how to focus on what's most important, especially when you're going through a custody battle. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Oh, not again, not funny. Ironic. If I see 10 kids, I, I know for a fact, at least six of them, give or take, 
is struggling because they broken home. You know, mom and dad are divorced um, or were never married. Um, those things will come up for sure. The grades are suffering because of it. And the fact that uh, something else that hurts the kids is that while the parents are separating, no one's talking to the kids. Right. Not only are they not talking to the kids, but they don't even get any kind of counseling for the kids, which is the, possibly the worst thing you can do for this kid as they're watching their lives just kind of tear apart and they don't know what to do with any of those emotions, the ideas. And, you know, you see it all of they blame themselves. So anyways, like yeah, you said, that, that is a very important component. And I, when I represent children, cause I do represent children. Um, I, that's an automatic. Every last child that I represent typically is going to need some kind of mental health services, even if it's just seeing a therapist one time so that they can figure out where they are and mm -hmm. if they're going to need some additional support because children suffer in silence because they already see all of the chaos and the drama that's going on with their parents yeah. and they don't want to add to that. So they will literally suffer and be hurting and be sad and be entering into the state of depression because they don't want to tell mom or dad how they feel or how this whole situation is making them feel because mom may be crying every day or dad may be angry or crying every day. And, you know, they, they don't want to add to that. So they essentially take one for the team as a child and that's not their responsibility. They shouldn't have to do that. So it's always a good idea, even if you think your child is okay. Check yeah. in. Check in. Check in. Have them see somebody at least one time so that they can figure out if they're going to need that additional ear because they need an outlet if they're if they need one, you know, but you will never know if you don't try. So assume they're not okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. And at least take them to see someone at least once. That is so true because I'm thinking about an event Jay and I did probably three or four years ago. And the question came up in regards to the child's room and the pictures that they put in it. And I say, you put the child's picture in it. And the child wanted a picture of the mother mm -hmm. and the father, but the new spouse didn't. And I got see? a lot of heat by saying, put it, that's that child's picture. That's right. that child's, um, they need something, they man. need something. And I got a lot of heat from the adults in the room. No, that relationship is over. But for that child, that relation existed. And that is why they're here. Right. And that's and what you have to constantly remind people. You're getting a divorce. Your child's not getting a divorce. They're no. not divorcing their parent. No. So we can't erase the fact that you and your ex used to be in a marriage or a relationship. That's not something that you can erase when you have a child. Mm -hmm. So regardless of whether you want to look at that picture or not, it's good. it needs to be there if that's what your child needs, because that's all they might have left. Mm -hmm. And for the new spouses, oh, that's it gives me a headache. First of all, my step, <laughs> my stepson to this day still has a photo of his mom and my husband when they were in high school, huddled up. <laughs> me and my husband married almost eight years, uh -huh. almost nine years. Dang, I'm getting old. Anyway, we've been married almost nine years, and he still has that photo, and. At no point did I make him feel uncomfortable about that photo because mm -hmm. that's all the memory that he has, you know, yeah, of his mom yeah. and his dad. And if that's going to make this better, then by all means, it's not hurting me. You mm -hmm. know, like I could care less. What, mm -hmm. how, what harm is it doing me for him to have this photo? None. 
But when you're not thinking about the child's mental well-being or emotional well-being, it's, and you have the ego, yep. it is always going to collide and always. not create a, a pretty picture. And in, the sad truth is the kids typically lose because now they feel guilty because they made you upset or feel, made you feel uncomfortable. Right. And then that also damages your relationship with your stepchild. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that you have to understand is that as the step parent, you should be with the exception of if you were like the mistress or, you know, the other guy, mm -hmm. um, you should be the only neutral person in, right. in the whole blended family. Right. You're the only person that didn't um, participate in the relationship that involved the mom and the dad and the child. So you're coming into this new and you're coming in fresh. So yeah. I know your child's, I mean, I know your husband or your wife has told you how awful their ex is, all the bad things they've done, but you know what? That doesn't have anything to do with you. Nope. So you have to remember that you're stepping into this situation. You don't know this person. And unless they've done something to you personally, you cannot take that relationship mm -hmm. personal and you have to be able to step in and bring some light to the situation. And that's one thing that I teach step parents during my coaching is that you don't even understand the power that you have as a step parent to bring peace to your situation. Wow. You know, if you, if you take the initiative and you're headstrong about making sure that your stepchild is not going to suffer because of the end of their parents' relationship. And you, you know, your husband has your ear, your stepchild could have your ear. And if you really want to, the other parent may even listen to you too, because they know that you're coming in neutral if you come at them the right way, yep, which is yep. a whole other episode. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. listen, we can go on all night. This, right. This, this was really, really good. This and much needed because, you know, we laugh on the, we laugh on this show and we talk about love and date nights and we talk about how to keep the romance, how to keep that fire burning. But like we said at the onset, the reality is some people listening to this podcast right now, mm -hmm. I don't know when, I don't know who, but there is a strong possibility that you may be uncoupled. Right. Right. Because nothing's guaranteed. And so this is why we do provide information. We provide content that will be of value to you. We learn some things every day. We listen. We ain't getting no divorce, right, babe? No. Okay. So, but but if, if, if it does come up, we, we learn some things. All right. But it won't. No. Okay. Marissa, listen, how, where, how can we get in touch with you? Uh, what, like, what are your handles? Tell oh, me. I'm probably the easiest person on earth to find on social media. So I am at Marissa V. Grayson on all social media platforms. That's M. E-R-I-S-S-A, V as in Victor, Grayson, G-R-A-Y-S-O-N. I post videos on YouTube. My channel is called Blended Family TV. I post videos every week. I'm also on social media, um, Facebook and Twitter, pretty much every single day, and also Instagram. Same handle, same name, and I have lots of content there, as well as on my website, www.yourfamilieslawyers.com, and that's Y-O-U-R. F-A-M-I-L-Y-S lawyers with an S on the end dot com. You heard it here, folks. Check her out. Get that free book, right? What's uh, the free download? Yes. And it's called How to Win the Battle Without Going to War. I like that. Title. Yes. 
And also, if you're in a blended family, I my business of co-parenting book series, I have a book for moms, I have a book for dads, and then I also have a book for step-parents. So mm-hmm. I have... I used my um, my husband and my work with him and conversations with him to help write a book for dads. The same with the book for moms. I talked to my my son's mom and got some perspective for her. And I used that um, to develop the book for moms because I'm not a single mom, but, you know, I have one in my blended family. And then the book for step parents, obviously, I've got perspective for that, on you know, for days. So. so yeah there's a book for everyone your entire blended family all the parents involved can read it and just learn to work together and keep that drama out your life yes (laughs) man that part man listen marissa we have been honored and blessed to have you on uh thank you thank you for agreeing to come on and provide some nuggets and some information some valuable information because otherwise for people to sit and and talk to you and get this kind of information it ain't it ain't free and it ain't cheap (laughs) all right so we understand trust me right and thank you guys for having me i really you know i'm always humbled and i appreciate you know you and the invitation and i hope that everyone found something useful and that they'll share this podcast if it's not information they need and I love what you guys are doing, and I'm super proud of you. Like I keep telling Thank you. Thank you. So. Thank you very much. So that was Marissa V. Grayson. We promised, we warned you that it would be heavy, it would be uh, valuable information, and she delivered. She did deliver. And you may be thinking, well, this doesn't apply to me, but you know someone that this can apply to. So share it. Yeah, actually, that what you should be saying is this doesn't apply to me now. Mm-hmm. Because the truth is, you don't know when you're going to need this kind of information. Mm-hmm. All right. We hope you we hope you don't. But again, if you're in a situation where you have a custody issue, it's good to know how to proceed, the kinds of questions to ask. Mm-hmm. Two things I just want to highlight. Whenever there are kids involved, we forget, we tend to forget the kids. Mm-hmm. And so when she says, it's not about you, mm-hmm. it's about the kids. Mm-hmm. Mom, dad, y'all going to be okay. Y'all grown. Y'all made your decisions. Y'all doing your grown up things. It's not about you. And, totally it's un- not. and it's unfortunate how sometimes the kids get lost and caught up in the grown folk drama. Which should not be happening. Yes. So please. It's not about you. It's about the kids. Second thing I'll say, and this is something that, you know, we live by as clinicians. Get it in writing. That actually should be the mantra for any kind of business and entrepreneur. But if you're in a custody situation and she said this, don't think, oh, we were together for 10 years and we love each other. We care about each other. We'll be OK. Mm-hmm. No. No, because as soon as he gets a new girlfriend or a new wife or Feelings you are... or you get a new husband or new boyfriend, mm-hmm. suddenly y'all going to stop playing nice mm-hmm. and you're going to wish you're going to wish that you had it in writing. So while you guys are on good terms, just get it in writing. It, it will save you a world of heartache. That is our show this week, guys. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another episode. Um you did have something you wanted to say, babe. Yes, I did, honey. 
Thank you so much. I'm super excited to announce that the Wife Mentor just released on social media. So if you're not following me on social media, you need to do that right now. Go to the Wife Mentor page on Instagram and Facebook because this Sunday I'll be starting my series, second quarter series called Sister Chat with Her Dean at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and that is Facebook. Our first topic this Sunday is with Jessica Jefferson. She's a licensed clinical social worker, and the topic will be um, Superwoman Syndrome, the power of removing the cape. On the 14th, we'll have Jennifer Smith. She's a sex therapist, and we'll be talking about female orgasms, empower your body. On the 21st, we'll have Courage, um, Melino, and she'll be talking about um, courage under fire, under overcoming depression. And then the one and only, you've heard her on the podcast before, on at the end of the month, on the 28th, we'll have the wife coach, LB, um, and she'll be talking, we'll be talking about good grief, we all need closure. I'm super excited to be starting this series. So please hop over to our social media page. You can follow me at The Wife Mentor and as well as Dr. J. Sounds like it's going to be fun. Not uh, only fun, spicy. Okay. <laughs> Guys, looking forward to seeing you. Uh, what's that this weekend? Yeah, mm -hmm. in just a matter of a few days. Uh, subscribe. We're all over the place. Herdeen Mercier, The Wife Mentor on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, Dr. Jameson Mercier. And, and we always like to remind you, if it's kind of confusing, mercierwellness.com is where is the home base, is where you can get all this information. Um, while you're there, get your merch. Yes, okay. the wife it in the if, merch, if, dad uh, it merch. If you feel so inclined, schedule a consultation. And uh, reach out to us. All right. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for subscribing. And uh, we'll catch you on the next episode of the Couples Council. Ciao. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to our mom and dad. If you like them as much as we do, then click subscribe and leave a comment. But now they have to go because it's family time. So go practice what you heard. And we'll catch you on the next episode.